leaves and goes on with his life. Oh, so. <laughs> see, that's not the secret to a long-term no, relationship. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we have another picture here. These guys are actually quite sophisticated, the penguins. Okay. They have um, a very wonderful courtship, I think. The guy tries to find a girl, it attracts her in certain ways, we'll be guessing that. But um, after they start dating, they sing to each other, they bow to each other, they clean their own feathers. They do that so they can recognize each other's song, so they can be monogamous and, and find each other mm -hmm. for years to come. And after they have an egg, they take turns incubating it. Isn't that cute? <laughs> that is very cute. I think that's, that's really adorable. sweet. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? We find ourselves in the middle of Ghost Month once again. This is a time of year in the late summer when spirits are said to roam the earth and misfortune awaits those among the living who offend them. It's perhaps the most tradition-bound time of the whole year, with a whole array of do's and don'ts that grows and grows depending on how tradition-minded you are. But what is Ghost Month at its core, and what are these spirits that are supposed to be roaming the earth anyway? Folklore and feng shui expert Zhang Xuchu is here with us today to delve into a subject that many people grow up with, but few seem to completely understand. The spirits of all people are said to pass to the underworld after death, awaiting reincarnation. Once a year, though, around August, during the seventh lunar month, those still in the underworld are eligible for a month-long break. The door to the underworld opens up, and the spirits file out until they're recalled, and the door shuts again at the month's end. Mr. Zhang has a rather different and perhaps more traditional take on what this month entails, though. Most in today's Taiwan seem to imagine a free-for-all, but his view of Ghost Month is much more nuanced and regimented. For one thing, contrary to the popular view, he says that not all ghosts are let out every year. Those who are good in life, well, they get a pass every year like you'd expect. But the worst offenders, those who are evil, are stuck in the underworld for much longer, and they're only let out once every 60 years, in a year that's given the Chinese name Gengzi. You see, the traditional calendar counts time in cycles of 60 years, and Mr. Zhang says that it's only when this cycle has reached its end that truly all ghosts, including the worst of the worst, can go free. He says they can't do as they please all the time, but they do have free periods when they're free to wreak as much havoc as they like. Any guesses when the next Gongzu year is? Well done. As if we needed anything else to worry about right now, we are right in the middle of a Gongzu year here in 2020. Vindictive spirits are said to cause things like car accidents and even divorces. But Mr. Zhang also stresses that there's generally nothing to fear as long as you keep your head about you and remember to carry some coarse rock salt or a protective amulet on your person. And of course, as we've said, everyone becomes a spirit, so they're not all bad. Yeah. 
Mr. Zhang holds a few views about the ghosts that I haven't heard from anyone else before. Not that I'm any sort of proper folklorist, but hey, I'm Curious John, so I do tend to ask about these things. For one thing, as we've seen, he views all the departed as spirits, whereas some people I've talked to say that only those who died in unfortunate circumstances or weren't buried properly do. He's also of the view that at certain times at least, the ghosts have a kind of chaperone. They have leaders among them, and while they're all together in their assigned squads, the ghosts are kept in line. It's when they have their free time that you have to be careful. During the day, they are all assigned to the ubiquitous ceremonies held to placate and comfort them. Ceremonies where the ghosts are given food offerings, and paper representing money is burnt so that they can receive it and spend it on whatever it is ghosts need money for. Mr. Zhang says that these ghosts don't get to just show up at any ceremony they like, or at whatever ceremony happens to be closest to them. They get an assignment, and they have to follow their leaders there. It's only during the evening that they get the free time to visit their living family. Even then, he says, they must promise not to make themselves known. In Mr. Zhang's view, ghosts can be good or bad. Some are friends and relatives, and others want to do you harm. In that way, they're just like living people, I guess. Mr. Zhang says that if you don't bother the ghosts, they generally won't bother you. But in general, people do feel the need to take some precautions. Because the thing is, you don't know what kind of ghosts you're going to run into during your day. Now Mr. Zhang introduces some of the most common ways people protect themselves. The first thing to do is to avoid any real estate deals during Ghost Month. As you might expect, Taiwan's real estate market grinds to an absolute halt during this period. Now he says you can go and see a house, and you may even decide that you like it and want to buy it. But he says don't sign the contract till Ghost Month is over. And if you have a building project planned, save the groundbreaking for after the month. He says that during this period, every empty home in Taiwan is hosting ghosts, and so might vacant plots. And he says these guests must not be disturbed, because they can leave bad luck behind even after they must return to the underworld at the end of the month. Now, Mr. Zhang is a feng shui expert, and so he makes a point to add that angered ghosts can do lots of things to ruin your life, and if you have upset them, even the best feng shui can't protect you. Now, he says if you do go out with a realtor during this period, the thing to do is to carry big chunks of coarse rock salt with you. He also says that if possible, try to avoid hospitals. He says the traditional view is that people's souls have ten divisible parts, and if you have someone cut into you for surgery, for instance, one or two of those bits might be stolen away, leading to a downturn even in the lives of the luckiest people. This can go both ways, though. On the contrary, he says, some people who have surgery during this month gain additional bits of soul force if ghosts nearby at the time happen to be friendly, and these people have a great upturn in luck. But will there be good ghosts around on the right day? That, he says, is a gamble. Of course, you should absolutely, and I repeat absolutely, not wait to have surgery if necessary. And even Mr. Zhang is in agreement on this. He says that if it really can't wait, the thing to do is once again go in carrying a bunch of that same coarse salt on your person. And when your visit's done, he says, you should throw that rock salt into a drainage ditch of some kind so that the bad luck flows away with the water. Finally, avoid the water.
The spirits of the drowned are said to lurk in wait for passing swimmers, dragging them down to their doom, or getting stray feet stuck in mud so that their victims will take their place and they can move on to their next life. During this time of year, beaches are generally deserted, but it's not just natural bodies of water. Water parks, too, see a slow few weeks each time Ghost Month comes around. Again, Mr. Zhang says, it's important not to be too worried and to go on with your normal life as much as possible. Ghosts generally won't harm those who respect their space, and even the worst of the worst will want to offer great luck to those who treat them well with good offerings. This, he says, is why many companies are offering particularly lavish spreads for the ghosts this year, the Gongzi year, when bad but powerful spirits abound. The theory goes that the ghosts will make the businesses who give them good offerings prosper because they hope the business will still be around the next time they come out of the underworld so they can enjoy another grand buffet. Just don't give them guavas or tomatoes. As with the gods, fruits with seeds that survive digestion are taboo. Mr. Zhang also says it's important to avoid swearing at the ghosts if you think that they've done something to you. For that matter, he says, avoid loud arguments in general, because the ghosts might overhear and assume you're yelling at them, causing some issues. Finally, he says, watch out for things like randomly spitting on the street. Should you accidentally hit a ghost, well, you're in for a world of trouble. If it's beginning to sound like everyone does the same things or avoids the same things during Ghost Month, well, you're partially right. Neighborhoods and companies all give out pretty much the same offerings, and even those who just grew up with a more vague idea of what the ghosts really are will know to avoid the things we just talked about. But there are notable regional differences. For instance, in Pingdong County down in the south and in Ilan County in the northeast, there's an elaborate Ghost Month obstacle course weighed down with heavy offerings to the ghosts that contestants race up, trying to be the first to grab one of the flags at the top of the course. Then there's the northern port city of Keelong, where a violent page of local history in the 19th century is still commemorated each year with elaborate temple celebrations that originally represented community healing, but have since become a national spectacle every time Ghost Month comes around. No matter where you are, this Ghost Month is a time of year to witness a special side of Taiwanese culture and maybe give your own respects to those who've passed on. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. This is Radio Taiwan International. Last weekend, my friend's father passed away. Chen Baba is what I've always called him. He was sort of like my Taiwanese dad, with my own father living so far away in America. I took the first plane down to Taidong in southeastern Taiwan to spend time with his family. And while I was down there, I heard a song that moved me beyond words. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, I bring you a heartfelt song in honor of a beloved father, husband, and patriarch of a large family. An Ear to the Ground. About 50 members of the village's Catholic Church are gathered in the living room and they're reciting the rosary. 
It's a sound you can hear pretty much anywhere in the world, but not always like this in Chinese. They're seated facing the coffin upon which Chen Baba's personal effects have been placed. There's a cup of tea, his police officer's hat, and several garlands of flowers, which are a tradition among his people, the Puyuma tribe. And then the mourners begin to sing a traditional song in the Puyuma language. And somehow, it's the song which moves me more than anything else. Because for the indigenous people, music is so integral to everyday life. So of course, it's also an important part of death. And while the rosary was read in Mandarin, the song was sung in the traditional language which Chen Baba had learned as a child. As I listened to the song, I looked around at the sad faces. In the next room, Chen Baba's grandkids were watching TV, and they were sitting on the bed where he passed away. It was as though nothing had changed, even though everything had. That's what funerals are like in Aboriginal villages. They're as much about life as they are about death. Of course, there's an enormous sadness, but there's laughter too. And it seems that both laughter and tears are good ways to mark the passing of an incredible person. Those sharply contrasting emotions are what make every emotion appear so vivid, enabling us to cherish everything that life has thrown before us. It's sort of like the sign I saw on the outside of the taxi I took to the airport last Saturday. It said, be grateful always for everything and everyone at every moment. And perhaps that is the best way to remember Chen Baba, to learn to be grateful and to cherish and to remember to tell others that we love them. to the grounds. I'm Andrew Ryan.
pull yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast, and this is Ellen Chu. <laughs> Last week, she's like, do we have to say it the same every week? And I was like, no, you can mix it up a little <laughs> bit. I had no idea that's what it would be. Yeah, I'm going to be like, you know, try to act like a different person every day. So who am I? You can do whatever you want. I am Andrew Ryan. Exactly. You know, you know how to have a different role to make people feel fresh. Or else, you know, they're always like, oh, it's the same oh, opening again. I kind of like your version better, mine. I like I like Ellen Chu. Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan. Yeah. Sounds a little evil. I know. Kind of hot and kind of evil. Yes. Okay. Well, you take the pick, okay? Well, we don't sound like our topic, which is universally loved. Um, we're talking about a universally loved food. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a clever way to disguise eggplant to make it more palatable. Mm-hmm. This week, we're talking about foods that are loved just the way they are. So what do you think is the most popular food in Taiwan? What do you think is the most popular food in the whole world? Corn. Corn. Where did you get corn from, Ellen Chu? I Were you love sneaking corn. a peek? No. Sneaky peeky? I didn't. Okay. Because I love corn. Just ask my friends and family. Every time I go to a place, I will ask, do they have corn? It's really interesting because as I was preparing this show and I was doing a little research, I did notice corn kept popping up. Really? And I was, and I remembered a couple weeks ago when we were talking about plain foods, Uh foods that you like to eat plain. And your first thought was corn. Corn. Yeah. Like all kinds of corn, plain Uh corn. Right. Straight from the can, straight from the cob. Right. It's amazing. I think it's loved in Taiwan and Western world. I had no idea you were so corny. I'm very corny. She's a corny girl. I'm a like corny like girl. That. Did you know that in four in, in the years I was in college, like you know, every time before the final exam, my food, my main staple is corn. How did you eat it? Just out of the can. That I is feed myself, crazy. like you know, for the whole week or two weeks straight. Corn. Corn. You know, it's interesting. I never had a big uh, liking for corn until I had like Taiwanese corn. Really? Because American corn is always yellow and sweet. They're so good. I love it. Just cook it and then, you know, add a little salt. Mm. It's amazing. I love it. I like it any kind of corn, like cream corn, corn soup, and corn on a cob, just corn, you know, boiled in salt water. It's good enough. Do you know my favorite corn is while we're on the topic? I really love, um, and now I don't know if it's, uh, is it Cuban corn or is it like Mexican corn? But basically, you use a little bit of mayonnaise. You put some cheese on there. You put some like um, paprika, a lot oh, of paprika, yes. it's salt. Mexican. Yeah. Uh huh. It's like they serve it on the roadside. Yeah. Super yummy. Super yummy. See, corn so can good. can be yummy any kind of style. Any kind of style. I wonder if we did that like a Taiwanese version of the Mexican corn. What would that be like? I think we could try that. So instead of like chili peppers, it'd be something else. It would be just normal la chow. It, it would be chili peppers, not right. like paprika. Right. And then maybe some kind of cilantro. Uh, we could still use the Japanese mayonnaise. Uh huh. Right. Japanese and mayonnaise, then yeah, a little cilantro. sweet. Cilantro. And um, you need something sour. Probably also would need lemon. 
I think the original yes. has lemon. Yeah. Yes. How about plum? Yes. Maple. Very possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you need, because you use a lot of like, I think Parmesan or something on there. Would you use cheese on there? Um, But Taiwan would be tofu. Right? Yeah, right. I don't know about that. So like fermented tofu to, uh, soybeans try it okay we'll think about it we'll think about right. it yes right future episode i know future how's that episode. we play around we like it to play might around be bad, yeah right? it might be if bad, it's it bad might be good. then it's bad we learned something right? right okay all right well i'll put that on the back burner we'll okay. come back to corn at some because point because when you blend uh fermented tofu with mayonnaise it's not bad that isn't bad you're right mm-hmm. it would have to go into the mayonnaise right but then we need something crispy. Could we put like um, yotong, <laughs> like the deep fried onions? I think so. We can try that. What else is crispy? Oh, I know. Dosu. Dosu. Uh, uh, dosu yu. Or, you know, you know how the sizzling rice crispies uh-huh. that we yes. put into the soup? Guoba. Guoba. Yes. The like crispy rice. Right. Ooh, now you're getting me crispy thinking. Crispy rice. And still cilantro mm-hmm. and still lemon. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm on it. Lemon or mayfin? Or mayfin. We could do that as well. Mm-hmm. But that would be kind of sweet. We already have the sweetness of the mm-hmm. mayo. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm thinking. The wheels okay. are turning. We'll put it that way. All right. So today's show, shall mm-hmm. we check out what's on our menu? Sure. Let us check it out. In our first course, we'll tell you all about some of the most universally loved foods in Taiwan and the world. That's right. In our second course, a look at a food that was described as ren ren ai, or everybody loves it. Whoa. In our third and final course, we'll be sampling that food in our studio. Do you agree with the name? Ren ren ai. We'll have to find out. We'll have to see, yes. But you, you know who invented this? I have to tell you a little little preview. This is my friend in Nalo. Oh. She came up with the name Ren Ren Ai. Oh, that's she's, cute. She's got a lot of names for a lot of mm-hmm. foods. Okay. Um, so the question is, is it true? Do people really love it? We'll see. Or is it just a tricky way to get people to eat it? <laughs> I know. Or it's just your friend saying, right? Yes. All right. So we're going to go into our first song. It's called Megar and Do Hui. And it's, yeah, it's about, it's about love. Okay. Everybody loves Fang Da Tong. Khalil Fang. Much more to come when the feast continues. Okay. 内心的话愿就不会枯萎 
人间的青草地需要浇水，内心的花园就不会枯萎。把最甜最好的滋味散播到东南西北。什么比冷冷冷冷冷更美？爱让人安心在梦中。Okay, we are back on our first course of today's Feast Meets West in a program we're calling Universally Loved, Loved by the World, and we're going to tell you about foods that are loved by everyone in Taiwan and by everyone in the world.、Mm-hmm. And we are going to start with let's start with Taiwan. All right. So in Taiwan, at least they're taking the list from a night market, right? Yes, these are the most favorite night market foods in of Taiwan. Of course, any kind of fried chicken. Number one is <laughs> salt and pepper chicken.、That's、number、right. two is fried chicken. Fried chicken cutlets. Right. And number three is the boba milk. Boba milk, milk tea. tea. Yeah. Some、and、people would think it would be number one, but num- it's really not. Number four, it's the oyster. Omelet, omelet, right? Which I'm not crazy about. I'm not. I hate the oyster. I don't like oysters either. No. Hey, we share that in common. Neither one of us likes oysters. Actually, I know. But remember, we did a show. Went to the Shilling Market、mm. to have that. Yes, we、mm-hmm. did. And number five, stinky tofu. Love it. Okay, depending. <laughs> I like the fried one, but not the steamed one. Yeah, I can do both, but like I prefer the fried one. Right. And mu guan yu nai. Okay, papaya milk. Mmm. Mango ice. Mmm. And then er ah da chang mian xian. So、Ugh. it's the vermicelli noodle, but it has the oysters, oysters and, and intestines. Intestines. I like the. The vermicelli, and I like the sauce in the noodle.、Mm. But I don't like the oyster or the pasta. I'm not crazy about the sauce either. So I usually order the clear vermicelli, you know, soup,、uh, no- soup noodle. Oh, I see.、Right. With nothing else in it. Nothing else in there. You're like oami sauce without the anything. It's、else. just qing mian xian they call、oh, it. Oh, really? Clear mian xian. Qing mian xian mi sauce. Yes. You know, somebody. This is interesting.、Uh, in the coming weeks, I'm going to try to interview some this guy. He says that this noodle dish should be Taiwan's number one noodle dish because、mm. you know people say like、uh, beef、Neuromian. noodle soup. Nuremian、uh-huh. is the Taiwanese, the quintessential Taiwanese、right. dish. But actually, it's, that's from northern China. Exactly, so, and Sichuan as well. Exactly. So this should be more Taiwanese more in Taiwanese, a way.、Right. Yeah. 
So we're going to find out. We're going to get him in and, and talk to him about that. And, and I'm going to try to sample it. Okay. Number nine, which is kind of like the sticky rice wrapping like... Around like, a around, sausage? It's a, it's a sticky rice sausage wrapping a sausage. It's kind of like the Taiwanese hot dog. Love it. I love it too. It's like a big right. dog I in a really small dog. It. It's so yummy. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like fried... Um, Sweet potato balls. Sweet potato balls. Interesting, but they're delicious. They're mm, so yummy. Yummy, yummy. Yes. Yes. So what do you think the most consumed grain in the world is? Corn. By a lot. I know. It's number one, followed by wheat and rice. I always mm-hmm. thought that rice was the most popular grain in the world. Well, a lot of the countries, they don't eat rice. But you have it all across Africa. You've got it all across Asia. Mm-hmm. You do have it in the Americas, but it's right. a little bit different. But think about it. You have corn all across Asia, all across Africa. Plus, you have European and, the and Americas. Americas. They they eat corn. Corn is king. Right. Uh, and second place is wheat. That mm-hmm. actually is not a big surprise because... No. There are pastas available everywhere in the world. Right? Breads and pastas in almost, Mm -hmm. in most cultures. And 3.5 billion people eat rice as their main staple. Okay. So I think when it comes to an actual staple, Mm -hmm. I think rice might be near the top because corn is used for Mm non-staples and it's used as a sweetener. It's used as a fuel. Mm -hmm. A lot of different uses for corn. Mm -hmm. Um So here's an interesting list. I found a list on All Women's Talk that says seven universal foods you can find in almost every culture. Mm. Rice, lettuce. We don't have a whole lot of lettuce in Taiwan. Fish. Fish for sure. Corn. Yep. Beans. Chicken potatoes. We have all those in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Favorite foods. I looked at a lot of different lists where people ranked their favorite foods. A lot of lists Mm. put pizza at the top. Yes. But those could be American or Italian lists. I know. World's most popular drink, water, agua. Absolutely. Hands down, like by far the most popular drink, Mm -hmm. of course. Followed by tea, which is about 3,000 years older and much simpler than coffee. Yeah. We have this like coffee tea dynamic. Mm Coffee is very popular in Taiwan, but I think tea is still more popular here. I know. Yeah, Mm because we have all the mixed teas, the iced teas. And people who just drink original pure tea, Mm. the local Chinese tea, Mm. right? And just think about how easy a tea is. You just basically put tea leaves in hot water. Well, you know, coffee too. Well, you have to grind the coffee beans. Some coffee are instant coffee. Well, I mean, think about the ancient man or an ancient woman inventing them. You'd have to like put them out to dry and then mm-hmm. you ferment them right and then you have to roast them i think tea is easier uh, yeah the simplest version of tea is i easier. think so but of course these days you know some people are very particular about tea and it's an art so it's mm-hmm. actually not that easy anymore yeah super okay. hard so those are the look at some of the most popular foods in the world some of the most universally consumed foods and drinks mm-hmm when we come back in just a moment, we're going to have a little interview and we're going to tell you about this food called Ren Ren Ai. Everybody loves it. Ooh. Before you sample it, do you have any ideas what it might be? Ren Ren Ai. Hmm. It has to be a vegetable. It includes vegetables. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Cao mian. Nope. It has wheat in it. Mm-hmm. 
It has vegetables. It has vegetables. I think it has eggs in it. Yeah. Dancehall. Stir fried eggs. Well, I'm gonna um I'm gonna let you know when we come back on our second course. We have a song called As long as everybody eats Taiwanese rice. Yes. And it's by Da Luan Ge Tuan. Okay. I think that would be the Gaoshong crazy band. Right? Because Da Go is the old way for saying Gaoshong. Uh, Takao. Takao. Hit the dog. All right. Gaoshong. All right, back a moment when the feast continues. Listening to Feast Meets West. Second course. We're back now on the second course of today's Feast Meets West, and I've come to the town of Nalu, which is an Atayal tribe village that I visited a couple weeks ago, and I've come to find out about a food that they call everybody loves it. To learn more, I turn to my friend Yao Basan. Yao tells me that Ren Ren Ai, or Everybody Loves It, is something that she found on the internet and then taught her domestic caregiver, Hana, to make. Yao doesn't do a lot of the cooking because she's in a wheelchair and it's a little bit more difficult for her. But Hana, who's from Indonesia, has learned to make a lot of the local foods ever since she arrived here several years ago. Yahu says that once Hana learned to make the outer wrapper of this item, then the sky was the limit. She began experimenting with wrapping different veggies up and then deep frying them. Like today, she used green onions grown right here in Nalua. Sometimes she adds eggs or cellophane noodles, and then she wraps it up and deep fries it. Yahu tells me that people who come visit the village all love to eat this. After they return home, they remember the way it tasted and want to come visit again. Some people even tell Yahu not to prepare anything special to eat. They only want to eat Ren Ren Ai. Everybody loves it. 
They can eat three to four or even sometimes five of these wraps, which are about the size of small, flat burritos, maybe just about the size of my hand. And it goes perfectly with a cup of coffee, she says. And this name, Ren Ren Ai, everybody loves it. Yao says they came up with the name on the morning that I interviewed her. I heard that someone even wanted to sell them in Taipei, so I asked Yao about it. Yao says her friend thought it would be a big hit. The friend loved the flavors and thought that if they set up a stall in Taipei, it would sell like hotcakes. But I tell her it's probably better that people eat it in Naluo, and she agreed. She said that if you tried to sell it anywhere else, it wouldn't be so special. You have to eat it in Naluo in order to get the feeling that everybody loves it. She says it's better if you keep the recipe a secret. Don't tell too many people, she says. <laughs> it's better if you and I are the only ones who know about it, she says. Yahoo says she's happy to share the recipe with me, but doesn't want me to share it with anyone else. So I can't tell you exactly what's in it. But she challenged me to come up with even better flavors. Yahoo tells me that the key is not too many people making it. You have to be the only one in the world making it in order for it to be special, she says. It's sort of like their local coffee in Naluo, which they infuse with a lemony mountain pepper called Makao. They gave it the name Ma Shang Gao Bai, immediate confession of love, and it involves coming up and professing your love for someone as you drink your coffee and stare at the distant mountains. Case in point, I think this is the only place in the world where you can experience this flavor of coffee accompanied by this exact ritual. And this is why people keep coming back to Naluo. Yahoo says that these are things that she's leaving to the next generation. When I tell her that she's good at naming foods in her village, <laughs> she says that it's visitors like me who inspire her. She admits that she's a bit of a dreamer, but she says that she's not fabricating anything. She asks me if I believe, and I say yes. If you believe something is real, then it is real. So if you believe that drinking the coffee and confessing your love will produce good results, then go for it. And if you believe that everyone loves these deep-fried delicacies, then for sure, everybody loves it. So coming up in our third course, we're going to be sampling these items in the studio. But first, a song called Da Jia Le. Everybody's happy. It's by Zhou Yi Yi 911 featuring A Guai. <laughs>
third course. Surprise me. Okay, so the moment of truth. Here we have it. I'm just gonna cut it in half. It looks like onion pancake. It does, right? It is a relative of the onion pancake. Okay. When it's very hot. Macau. No pancake? Macau. There is no Macau in it. No mountain pepper. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What do you say, Ellen Chu? Definitely has onion in there, right? It has, I believe it has onions and mm -hmm. it has uh, some meat? Chinese um, scallions, some mm -hmm. zhou cai. Mm -hmm. No meat. Eggs, though. So it's like zhou cai he. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's nice. You can dip it in the Macau. Okay. Is it good? Yeah. So the trick is crispy on the outside. Mm -hmm. Eggy and soft and comforting on the mm -hmm. inside. And you can put anything in there that you want to. It's like a pocket. It's a pocket. It's exactly what it is. Mm. So it's versatile. It's crispy. It's warm. I like it. And the reason why they call it Ren Ren Ai is because my friend's dad, mm -hmm. my friend Kevin, who maybe you remember from years ago. Yes. His dad went goes to this village. And every time he goes there, he only has one request. To eat this. To eat this for breakfast. Mm. And they always make it. And wow. everybody, she says that everybody loves it. So that's why they call it Ren Ren Ai. It's good. I would eat this for breakfast, right? I would. Totally. Is it the most universally loved food in the world? Probably has not. Egg, has onion. I mean, if you like onion or mm -hmm. jiu tai, right? Mm-hmm. It's crispy. Scallion. Mm. Sometimes they will put um, like noodles inside of it. Like cellophane noodles. It's totally like Zhou Cai Hu there. Totally. Right. Exactly. It's just, it wrap it into a pocket instead of like, you know, in a pouch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you say Zhou Cai? It's like Chinese chives, right? Chives, yeah. Chinese chives or mm -hmm. kuchar sometimes mm -hmm. they call it. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's versatile. I think it's the crispy factor and the soft inside. I think so. And also the chives that bring up the flavor. Mm-hmm. Up a level. Nice and savory. I think this is a nice breakfast. Nice breakfast, mm -hmm. right? I think I may uh, like to experiment with this and maybe uh -huh. see what else we can put in there. Oh. What would you put in there if you were to make it for your kids? I think for the chives, I would take it out. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit of onion mm -hmm. and egg. And I would put the noodle in there, the mm. vermicelli, and uh, maybe some minced beef. Or some bacon. Yeah, bacon's inside. Mm. Mm. Or I would put corn. Corn. You would love that, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, cheese Ooh. and egg. Ooh. Mm -hmm. It would be nice if it was nice and cheesy melting. Right, melted in So there. it would be like a Hot Pocket. Uh -huh. But right. you could actually like put a pita. anything in there. Mm -hmm. You could put leftovers in there. You can put... You could pour it put the mexican uh, corn in there mm, right? Alan Chu, now you're talking my language mm, mm, mm. so there you have it um Renna and i do you think it's a good name for this i think so too i think part of it is truth and part of it is it's a great way to market it i think so too because you will be very curious on what is it mm. you know i was thinking throughout the whole show what could it be you was know? it close to what you were expecting no not, not at, at all. all right yeah it's fun i thought it would be something egg Mm -hmm. Or, you know, corn mm -hmm. or, you know, just a single simple food. But it's simple. This is simple, but it has, you know, flavor inside. So basically what they do is they make a they make a batter and it's kind of like the 
outside of it is like a scallion pancake. Mm -hmm. And then they put all different kinds of ingredients in it, but they wrap it up in a way that can be either deep fry. I think they deep fry them mm. very quickly, deep fry them. So they make them to, they assemble it and then they, they cook it. Very nice. Yes. Yummy. So there you go. All right. Um, thank you so much for joining us for this edition of The Feast. Yes. And please write to us at P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at A-N-D-R-O-O at R-T-I dot O-R-G dot T-W. That's right. And do join us next week. We'll have another fantastic edition of The Feast, if we may say so ourselves. Yes, we will. One mm. more song before we go. This is also about being number one in the world, right? Yes. It's called Gilwa Deimia. Gilwa Deimia. Okay, call, call me, me number, number one. one. And this is by Mayday. That's right. Wu Yetian for Peace You Swast. I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. Bye bye. Bye. See you next week. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. 
Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. <laughs> 